this is Talking in Bed, and I'm your host, Jen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. <clears throat> this is Talking in Bed. I know there's an intro already. Um, <clears throat> I'm using a different set of headphones because I went on a trip. And I got back yesterday. I have no idea where my headphones are. It's 7.30 in the morning. I've been up since like 3 a.m. And um, I've had a cup of tea. I had some waffles. Uh, and then I thought, okay, why don't I... So, and I know that the last episode said, is this the end? But if you listened, I did say that I wasn't really sure if I was ending it. I just, at that time, I was like all jazzed up about the other podcast that I was working on. And I'm still excited about that. But then I, there was a little bit of a family emergency, everybody's fine, just a little thing happened, it wasn't that, (laughs) it wasn't that little, it didn't involve surgery, but it was not, everyone's fine, uh, and then I went on a trip to the United States, and I had been planning the trip for, A while, as you can imagine, traveling internationally right now, uh, you know, it requires a lot of planning. You have to think about quarantining, what you can actually do when you get to the place that you're going to. It's not like you can go and just have a normal trip. So I really had to think about, you know, organize taking the time off from work that I would need after I came back to, you know, if I happen to catch COVID-19, then um, I would need to really quarantine and I would need to have food in my house in order to do that. Um, So, and then the medical emergency which happened to my husband happened days before I was planning on going on the trip we were planning he afterwards was not uh just didn't feel comfortable going let's say that um and I understood that that was totally fine you know sometimes when you um are what would you call it, like a, an international couple? That sounds like a real, a really nice title. You do have to go and visit your family without your partner. It just, that is just how it is sometimes. Either you don't have the money for both of you to go, you don't have the time off for both of you to go, or something, you know, more significant happens. Um, So he stayed here. He was fine to stay here on his own. And he has some friends around uh, that came to help him. 
and but he was really quite okay enough to be home and um I went home and the flying uh experience was really not significantly different than other things yeah, than other times, you know, you had to wear a mask, of course. I had to wear a mask the whole flight. I think the flight over was, let's say it was seven hours. Let's say it was seven. I, I didn't keep a close eye, but, um, so, you know, and you can take it off when you're eating or drinking. The plane was... Alright, so that was unusual where the plane was not packed the way that it usually is. We were not elbow to elbow. Pretty much, I don't know that unless you were family, unless you were traveling together, I don't think any two passengers were seated directly next to each other. So everybody had a lot of room. And, you know, that was... It was nice as a traveler, of course, to have that kind of room, to be able to put your stuff on the seat next to you instead of literally only having the space that you have in your own seat. So that was nice. I can't lie. That was good. Um, it honestly didn't weird me out that much to see the plane. I guess you would call it that empty, you know. Um, to me, it was, I don't know, I think I kind of liked having the space, so I didn't mind that much. Um, I did talk with my neighbor who was seated on the plane with me. We were, I was in a row of four, and he was seated on one end and me on the other, so we were able to talk, and we had a bit of distance, and you know, but it was nice. That helped to pass the time. Um, they had a pretty limited, like, food service, so they did serve lunch and drinks, and then a snack much, much later, but uh, otherwise, that was it. They really were very limited in their, kind of, what they were given out. Um, and, oh my, oh, I feel like I'm getting quite tired. It's so funny, you know? I'll be, like, planning to record, get myself ready, and I'm not yawning, but once I start talking, then it's like, you know, the yawning starts, my eyes are getting heavy now. <laughs> so why did I go? I think that some people might hear this and think that, uh, that I'm a super spreader, you know, that it's irresponsible to travel at a time like this and, um, selfish, and I, you know, those things did come up for me, definitely, uh, it took a little while, it was only maybe at the beginning of August that it suddenly dawned on me, like, oh, oh, we're not really supposed to be doing this, I had, we were supposed to go home in May, and, of course, that didn't happen because in May, things were still really, well, we all know, things were still really bad. And, 
you know, um, it, that was tough for me. That was tough. I know a lot of expats are really having a hard time with that, not being able to see your family. You know, being an expat, you after the adventure part of living abroad kind of like fades away. Um, well, whatever. I mean, for some people, maybe it doesn't. But for me, it's kind of just normal life now. Um, I think for a lot of people, it you feel a lot of guilt for leaving behind your parents, your siblings, whatever family or, or even friends. You know that you're close with not and not everybody's close with their families and and then they leave. I am quite close with my family, so choosing to live abroad is it is definitely a decision that i I struggle with on some days. you know it's tough um I try to be as involved as I can be in everybody's lives and um You know, so there, perhaps I am a super spreader. Maybe it was a selfish decision. But personally, I think um, I have a legitimate reason to travel. It's not like I'm traveling to go on vacation. I'm traveling to see my family uh, it's not like I'm just taking like a trip to London and um, hanging out in you know a place that I'm not connected to. So I think it's a different kind of travel than going on vacation kind of traveling. Um, I really did my best to stay at home while I was there and just stayed mostly with my family. I mean, I only, I really only saw family. I saw one friend uh, and kept my distance, wore a mask. Um, I didn't wear a mask with my own family the whole time because that would have been crazy. But um, whatever, I kind of entered their pod. <laughs> um, so uh, let me think of anything else on the flying experience. So I left from Frankfurt Airport which is a very big international airport in Germany. And there were people, it was not, it was an earlier flight. I think I left at 11 a.m. So I got to the airport at like 8 a.m. And I would imagine that on any given day, Frankfurt Airport it is busy, you know, really, really busy. So it was not really, really busy, but it had a, a good number of people. It did not feel strangely empty at any point. And let me think about anything else from the flight. I Wearing the mask on the flight to New York, it didn't bother me at all. I felt very comfortable with that. I wore a KN95 mask, which is, uh, you know, similar to an N95, but I guess not. There's something not totally, it's not like a medical mask. I'm not really clear on the difference. Mm. I don't think that they would have been picky if I had just worn a cloth mask. I think 
they just want people wearing masks. So the KN95 mask was a was a choice. And um, I had hand sanitizer and, you know, washed my hands and stuff. Um, I would have to take the mask off every now and then to show my whole face. And once to show that I didn't have anything inside of the mask, you know, during the security. And I'm thinking... I think that was that was all you know on like lines like at the gate or something I tried to keep a distance in the line um but people were kind of relaxed about that you know not on top of each other but definitely not always keeping that six feet one and a half meter distance And, um, so I'm a pretty nervous flyer. It's gotten much better over the years. I used to be, like, on a day that I was flying, I I literally would be thinking to myself, this is the last time that I'll uh, talk to my mom, or this is the last, I better eat this or drink that because it's the last time I'll do it because I'll probably die today. That would really be my thinking, that I was I was almost certain I would die on a plane and I would still get on it. No medication, no Xanax. And that's not, I think it's fantastic that people take medication to get themselves on a plane. I, I don't know, I don't know why I never got a prescription for anything. I, I think I thought... <laughs> Like any crazy, like any good crazy person, I think I thought that the the pills wouldn't change the fact that I was going to die. And they would only make me, I wanted to know the truth. (laughs) That's really crazy. I wanted to be, I didn't want to try and like, take anything that would unconvince me of the truth that I was probably going to die on this plane. So I was really a nervous wreck very often. Takeoff, really tough takeoff is very intense for me still most of the time. Um, and part of that is, you know, when the plane it revs up, you know, like you feel like you're on a rocket ship. I've never been on a rocket ship. <laughs> just my perception of what it might be like. It's just going so fast and picking up so much speed. And when the wheels leave the ground and you start to tilt, you know, upward, I guess. That's one of the scariest moments for me. Because I just, if you're afraid of flying, just fast forward through this part. Uh, I don't know when I'll <laughs> stop talking about it. But I know that I, I personally, even though I've improved in my fears, 
I can't, it's, it's, I don't like to hear people talk about anything bad that could happen, you know, so definitely fast forward a bit. Um, you know, just when the wheels leave the ground, it just is this very like insecure feeling in the plane. I'm aware, I'm so aware that the ground isn't underneath us anymore. And I just picture the the plane going the wrong way. Let's say that. It's very difficult for me to not picture that. And also the plane will kind of tilt a bit, you know, left and right. And it's not the, sometimes it does that and it's obviously intentional. They're turning. Um, but I'm saying like sometimes it just feels like it's finding its, <laughs> finding its footing in the air, so to speak. That's a very hard part for me. And um, it's also just physically, it's a weird feeling. And it's also difficult because I know that I'm not going to be on the ground again for a while. And that thought is just difficult for me. And um, so often I, I really like, if you sit near the wing... You tend to experience less turbulence. Um, I also like to be seated near where the flight attendants are. You know, they'll s- sit down and face toward the passengers during takeoff. And I am often like poking my head up over all the other seats to look at the flight attendants faces and see what they look like and that's always my barometer for how normal everything is is how the flight attendants look and they never look worried ever it's totally normal to them you know and um So what I found is that um, if I watch something funny during takeoff, I mean really funny, like Todd Berry, that was the first time that I watched something really funny and that I was laughing through takeoff and didn't even notice when the wheels left the ground, totally unaware. And my husband was sitting next to me having had to count only through quite a few takeoffs and he was like, who is this person that's laughing during takeoff and on this flight leaving Germany I I watched a bunch of Will and Grace clips and I laughed the whole time and it's great that's always like to skip over that fear so I mean you know it's just been a lot of but I've had a lot of takeoffs that were really bad crying hysterically shaking um, just really going into like panic mode because the feeling that I was going to die just completely overwhelms me and, um, just feeling like a rat in a cage and like I just signed my death warrant and I mean, it's been bad (laughs) at times. It's been really bad 
I'm having like all these flashbacks to these bad bad moments of mine, you know, and I've had really good moments. I when I used to really be like a like a head case, I would often tell the person sitting in my row, I'm a very nervous flyer. I'm probably going to cry. It's normal. And one time I said that and the guy said that he was a pilot. (laughs) And he kind of talked me through, you know, the whole process. And another time I sat next to a psychiatrist. That was, that was cool. (laughs) So I've had a lot of interesting conversations with people I I know that for a lot of people that is annoying you know for people who are afraid they want to get on the plane and just not talk but I've had a lot of very kind people help me um and I've never really had anybody people have almost I can't think of a time right now that somebody was not kind you know, in that moment. So, (laughs) that's a nice little, I don't know, (laughs) uh, commentary on people, (laughs) the kindness of people. Um, so when I got into JFK, uh, that was really weird. It was very eerily quiet. There was n- almost nobody around except for our flight. It was very strange. Normally to get through the border, to get through customs, to enter the U.S., it takes a long time, like half hour, 45 minutes of like lines and waiting and for my husband, who's not a U.S. citizen, it takes even longer. Sometimes it takes an hour or more. Um, sometimes not, but in this on this day, it was like there was no line, which is so strange. I walked through, did what I had to do, and went on. So in the U.S., uh, things felt very normal. I personally, <laughs> I kind of like wearing a mask. Um, it, it does bother me at times to wear, you know, it'll bother my face at times. Just, just having to wear something on it for, you know, it just is kind of annoying. Um, but I often like wearing it because I feel like it's like sunglasses for the lower part of your face. Like I can just be kind of introverted with the mask on. I'm, I'm, I guess you'd say I'm like an ambivert. Like I, I like, I can talk, Jesus Christ, could I get a sentence out? I uh, like to talk to people and I'm friendly and outgoing, but I also like to kind of pull pull back and pull away and inward, and so having the mask is kind of a nice way to just 
there's something that I enjoy about having the lower part of my face, like, not visible. That's weird. If I could wear sunglasses and a mask, like, indoors, I'd really like that. <laughs> I guess I could. But I, I don't know. There's something I like about that. Maybe it makes me feel like I have this, adds, like, some mystery to my life. <laughs> and... Uh, so the trip home felt very, you know, pretty normal, except that I didn't hug many people. I hugged my close family, you know, my mom, my sister and everybody. But uh, other than that, you know, saw people. There's plenty to talk about, you know. <laughs> You're not like a shortage of topics to talk about. And I'm, I'm... I would say I'm center left. Sometimes I'm a little more left than other times, but I I would say I'm moderate left. And my family range from moderate right to very right, not far, far, far right, just solidly right. And, um, you know, there's just, there's just never not something to talk about. Now, does it always, it leads to some, you know, uh, tense, not, not even tense moments. It's just, um, mm, gosh, I'm really struggling for the words there. Just moments of emotional moments I guess you would say but that sounds like we're crying about it when it's more like getting aggravated you know and I have you know something that I realized is that when 9-11 happened and um, I'm from New York not from the city but close enough to the city uh, so it was really I mean it was significant for everybody but you know, obviously being from New York and living within two hours of the city, uh, it felt, you know, really significant. And um, that was really like the first time that I realized that I differed from my family and political opinions. I never had a reason to have a political opinion really before that. So I have been, you know, dealing with the fact that I think differently than a lot of my family for years, so, oh my god, I guess it's been seven, oh my god, Jesus Christ, I'm, that's really ditzy of me, it's very obviously 19 years, but Wow, I mean, I cannot believe that 9-11 happened almost 19 years ago. Uh, almost 20 years ago, rather. Wow, that is... That is a long time ago. Jesus Christ. Wow. So, you know, I've, I've had a lot of practice kind of 
knowing what I can and can't talk about. And, and also, you know, I know that a lot of people who are Democrats and liberal and a lot of people who are Republicans, conservative, that they, uh, their family and their friends often have the same opinions as them. So I, I kind of think that it's a little bit, it's a blessing in disguise that I don't share the same opinions as a lot of my family because it's really forced me to, you know, I love these people. I care about them. I have (laughs) very fond family memories of the people that I love. And, um, so it's kind of like, how do you reconcile those differences? And for some people, I definitely see people tweeting. I don't know who's actually doing this, but people who are, you know, cutting off contact with an aunt or a cousin who has very, let's say, extreme views on the right side, you know, left-leaning people who cut off a right, uh, a conservative Republican family member. And I suppose that's something you can do. Um, Obviously, you're not going to change your family members' opinions, and I know that, and I, I know how frustrating it is, and I imagine that they feel all the same things. They feel frustrated, too, and they don't understand their liberal... Democrat family members' views and, you know, the people on the right think that the people on the left also are dangerous in, in different ways. I think I've just had a lot of practice with, um, well, I rather, I don't think that cutting off people helps you to empathize with them. Um, and I, I don't think, no, before you get upset, let me just finish. Okay. (laughs) I don't think that it helps you. Hmm. It's tough. It, it, It is tough, you know. Um, look, I, I don't know what to say about extreme family members entirely in a general way. I think the important thing for anybody to remember on the right or the left and anywhere in between is that every individual person that you talk to will have their own kind of personal perspective on things that are talked about in the media and if you really want to understand why somebody votes the way they do or thinks the way they do you ask them and then you really have to listen you can't interrupt them and you can't spend the time thinking about what your response is going to be 
you have to really listen to them, even if what they're saying is completely disgusting and depraved to you. Because you won't understand if you don't treat it with curiosity. And it's not that you have to empathize with how they feel about immigration or the Black Lives Matter protests. But it will help you see them as a human being if you try to empathize with the feelings that they have about those topics. So if they feel afraid or frustrated, you can understand feeling afraid and frustrated because you also feel the same thing when it comes to politics, uh, just at a, from a different perspective. So I just talked about all of that and... I didn't talk about who, I don't think I did. <laughs> Both sides need to do the listening. Uh, and I don't think that listening and empathizing, I don't think it happens often enough between personal one-on-one -on -one conversations. I understand that the media says things and I mean, because I am not a, a Democrat, I don't, I think the party thing is like, meh, <laughs> not my favorite, you know, I think that the <laughs> all the politicians sort of being offered up are sort of like, okay, <laughs> this is what we have to work with, I guess. <laughs> um... Not great all around in my eyes, you know. Um, I just... Oh, I was going somewhere with this. You know, I think that... The generalizations that we see that one might take in in the meat in the news sources that they turn to uh you know i mean the danger is always confirmation bias even if you are a left leaning person right it's not just right it's not just people on the right who confirm their bias everybody confirms their bias and i think of course, it feels nice to have your bias confirmed. It really does. It's so satisfying to have your bias confirmed. Um, and of course, it's very hard to figure out where the real facts are in like a neutral source, you know. So um, I've kind of let go of the fact that I'm ever going to get one real fact that has not been reinterpreted <laughs> and spun I'm just let go of that fact I will not ever in my life get a true completely unaltered fact from a news source I just don't believe it <laughs> um just you know we're heading into the holidays the holiday season and um 
I certainly don't encourage political conversation at the table. You know, by the time Thanksgiving happens, it's going to be over. Well, at least the election, right? Uh, You know, there will still be plenty to be upset about. Whoever it is that's going to be upset, everybody will be upset still, right? So I don't necessarily encourage a a table conversation. But if you get, you know, trapped, stuck with an uncle or an aunt who's very opinionated. And you're trying to figure out, you know, even if you're kind of dreading it, which I've also had that experience where I'm kind of like, oh my God, like this is going to really suck. I know, you know, whatever thing happened in the news and in real life recently and I know that X, Y, or Z is going to come and talk to me about it because they know that I am think differently, you know, I, whatever, I'm on a different part of the political spectrum. And, it, you know, I think it's taken me a long time to also realize that um, it just helps me feel better about the person I'm talking to if I try to if I try to put myself in their shoes and it doesn't mean that I will agree with them, but it means that maybe I can try and even if you think of them as the bad guy, then it's like, know your enemy, you know? And I don't think of my family that way. They're caring people. They're thoughtful. I don't think of them as my enemies, but some people do feel that way. And where some people feel so, you know, the kind of tension over politics has been growing for such a long time and it's reaching this kind of, this head at this point, you know. And, you know, it's important to know that your opinions are, feel just as true to you as other people's opinions feel to them. And, um, you could not be, you know, it's something like something I realized over this trip is that the things that I feel are true when it comes to politics and events that happen in the news, current, the word is current events. There's something in like my soul or my heart that tells me which is right and which is wrong. And that doesn't mean, you know, I'm, I'm kind of to a certain extent I'm open to people telling giving me new information and then readjusting what I think when I hear more information um but what is it what is that kind of guiding what's that barometer inside of you that tells you what to do with that new information if you get new information what is it inside of you that says oh now that I have more now that I have more context for that, now I think something differently. It's something like your soul, but I'm not really sure. You know, it it feels so personal now what people think about politics. It's so, it's so much like a comment on your character and your personality and everything that you value. Um... 
And for a lot of people, it does feel that way. It feels like this is such a core part of what's happening in my life is what's happening in politics. And, you know, is is that the life that I... That That is n- not that n- the things happening in the real world are not important to me, but I think I try to remember that what happens online is so it's such a and what happens in the news and tv it's such a reduced um version of how things really happen and that in each of these events that we see things that we hear about video clips of videos that we see You know, there's so much missing from it in a human element. And I'm not saying that bad things... I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm kind of, you know, dancing around talking about specific things and and speaking generally. So anyway, um, it it was a very thought-provoking trip for me. And um, at times it was frustrating. Um... But overall, I mean, nothing frustrating that made me, uh, oh my God, I don't know. I don't know what the end of that sentence is. (laughs) There were times that were frustrating. In the end, of course, it was great to see my family and talk with them and just spend time with them and um, do you know what's funny is that I feel like this whole like podcast that I've been recording is like that it's really like stupid I'm having like a real moment of insecurity right now where I'm like why did I just like blabber about all this stuff like where was it even going um Yeah, I feel very, like, insecure that I just was kind of rambling. But actually, I would even say that compared to other episodes of this, this has been far more on topic than anything else, you know. I'm also, like, (laughs) like, kind of half asleep, you know. I, I think there was some kind of something in the air out in New York that just left my throat a little scratchy. I feel fine, but it's just like a throat scratchiness. So let's get back to the flying thing. <laughs> um, so I flew out of New York, and when I got to JFK, again... JFK, very busy international airport. Lines that take a long time just to check your bag and to get through security. It's like it takes so long. And there's tons of people bustling around. And, you know, you'll see these families traveling to like who knows where. And they've got a cart of like, I don't know, 10 bags like stacked up. I always wonder where these people are. Like, they're like packed their whole life into these bags, you know? 
it's crazy to me. Um, this place was, I mean, there were, uh, what's the fucking things in this, in the cowboy movies? Tumbleweeds going through JFK. Really? I mean, there, <laughs> it was weird. It was so strange. There were, you know, people, but it was like going to like an empty drugstore. Like, you know, there were a couple of people checking in their bags. It was really weird. Not a soul, you know, waiting online. I walked right up to a desk to check it, check my bag. Went through security. That normally is, you know, I don't. I'm bad at counting how many people are in a crowd. Let's say that there's usually 200 people waiting up. That sounds like so many people. Let's say there's 100 people waiting online to go through security. It takes a while. I walked right up. I mean, TSA was, like, bored. I guess I have plenty of people to really... (laughs) I hope the quality of security has increased. You know, they're, like, really checking everybody out now. All of the shops, empty. They were open, but they were empty. I bought something in a store, and uh, the woman was, like, really talking to me, and asking me what it was like to live in Germany and how it compared to the U.S. And then the phone rang, and I think if the phone hadn't rang, we would have kept talking for 20 minutes. She was like, you know, like how many people do you think that people work in airport stores? They see people from literally the entire planet. And it's like she just needs, she just wanted to talk to somebody, you know? They don't, they're not, like, typically interested in, like, where are you going? How is it there? What do you do there? You know, like, they couldn't care less, you know? They've got, they've got somebody coming in from Dubai in South Africa who's going to buy something, so. And after some time, uh, it definitely, there were more people. It started to be a little more healthy numbers coming in, but. Very, very empty. Plenty of room for everybody. And, I mean, it definitely, like, worried me. It worries me for the airline industry, you know. That's really my... That's how I get home, to see my family. So even though it seems kind of silly to worry about the airline industry, that's how I can see my family, you know. That's the whole premise of... I can live abroad because I know that I can go see my family when I want. So that did concern me. And, and the eeriness of how empty it was really like, I don't know, it was very strange to me. And then during takeoff, I was, I guess I was doing okay. I was a little bit nervous, I think, but. You know, I was managing okay. I was trying to watch Will and Grace. It wasn't working the same way that it had on the way over. And as we're going up, somebody's cell phone rang. So they did not have the fucking 
phone on flight mode. And that really kind of, I didn't go into a full panic, but I was literally saying out loud, can you shut your fucking phone off? Are you kidding me? And I wasn't even sure like who it was exactly. I knew that they were either a seat or two in front of me. I was just sort of saying it out loud. Nobody else was saying anything. It was really crazy to me. I think they even picked up the phone and answered it. It really, that made me anxious. It was fine. And I think I've, I've heard definitely that like the flight mode thing, you know, how many people probably do have their phone on flight mode, uh, not on flight mode rather during the flight, you know, it's just some people just don't care. They just don't think it's important. And I think that 20 years ago, it might've made a difference. Now, I guess it doesn't make as much of a difference. Apparently not. We tested it with my life on the line, you know, that was really, so that kind of, it was a little bit of a rough start. We had a little bit, very, you know, minor turbulence that might've been okay on a different day, but I was already kind of set off in this particular direction. So I got kind of upset during turbulence, but the flight attendants are so nice. They really are very nice people. They take it very seriously when I'm scared even though to them it's like so normal but they are always I mean you know just do a fantastic job at comforting people and making them feel like either like we're here for you or they kind of they're just like it's totally normal you know they kind of are so in their job that it's almost comforting that they They don't even, it's not that they don't take it seriously, but they don't, um, they don't even express concern for your, for like my psychological well-being in a significant way. They're just kind of like, you know, turbulence is fine. It just always happens during dinner service, you know, (laughs) so it's just aggravating for them. And that too is kind of comforting to just see them being totally normal about it, you know, and, um, so that was my flight experience. What else? Oh, oh, well, on this flight back, the mask did really start to bug me after a while. I have to say that did bother me a lot. And um, it was kind of just, I was tired of wearing it. I was tired of it. And um, when I got to Frankfurt Airport, it was very early. It was five in the morning. So it was normal that it was empty, you know, that was okay. And, uh, taking a Corona test was mandatory. Of course, nobody forced me to go there. I suppose if I hadn't gone and gotten it done, they might've followed up and maybe they would have, I don't know. I could have had a problem if I hadn't gotten it done because I got a form saying that I had to, but there was nobody who, you know, it's not like the Corona testing sent testing center was uh before border control or something you had to go there after you got through the border you had to go there yourself nobody was going to tell you to go there you just had to go it was like on a goodwill kind of thing good faith I don't know so I did go and um that was fine you know I got the test I didn't quite understand the directions immediately you had to 
not the nose thing, thank God. I was very scared to get the nose thing, so I was happy. It was like a throat swab. And I tilted my head back, and the guy said, okay, breathe through your, take a breath. And I breathed through my nose, and he was like, no, through your mouth. But it took me a second to understand that, though. He was like, <laughs> like, I was having some issues with, you know, the throat swab, but I got it in the end. And uh, I came back negative, so mm, I did okay on my test. I'm going to do another one uh, tomorrow just to make sure that I didn't pick anything up on the plane. And then... After that, you know, hopefully that comes back okay. And then I can, and then I just have like extra time off, you know, so I'll just kind of hang out at home and maybe I'll, oh goodness, oh God. maybe I'll just like record some uh, episodes. And don't forget that I'm also recording a second podcast called Space Girl Spiff Explore. It's a Calvin and Hobbes podcast. So if you love Calvin and Hobbes, come on over to Space Girl Spiff Explores and check that out. There's only two episodes, so you might not find it on your uh, podcast platform yet. But keep an eye out for it. And you can find it on Anchor. Um... And, oh yeah, so I'm going to call this episode Come Fly With Me because, like, shortly before the trip, I had watched um, Catch Me If You Can with my husband, you know, the movie from the early 2000s with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks, and it's very, like, 19, there's a lot of, like, I mean, the flying part is very, like, plays a big role of him pretending to be a pilot, Frank Abagnale, I think. And they play that one song by Frank Sinatra. And um, I had downloaded a lot of music from YouTube. I'm a YouTube premium member. (laughs) I think me and my husband must be like one of, you know, I don't know. 20 people who are YouTube premium members so we don't get any ads for YouTube and we can download stuff and uh, we can I shut my phone screen off when I listen to YouTube which is I have to tell you almost worth the amount of paying for it because shutting your phone off when you're using YouTube is it's so nice to be able to do that honestly Even though YouTube is kind of, I don't know, YouTube's a crazy company. Uh, But, oh yeah, so I downloaded Come Fly With Me by Frank Sinatra. And I, I listened to that song a lot during takeoff on the flight from Germany to New York. And it was just kind of, oh, I'm beeping. Oh no. Oh my. Okay, I have to wrap this up soon. I was going to anyway. Oh my god. It's it's beeping at me that this is going to end soon. Oh, my God. All right, it's 60 minutes. Jesus Christ, I have five minutes. Oh, God, I'm really surprised. I knew it was coming up. I had just looked at it. Anyway, <laughs> there was something very relaxing about thinking about flying in the 60s and it just being, like, 
just a cool, amazing experience. And it helped me feel a little less afraid. So, um, I, I don't know if this was an interesting podcast, but maybe it was. And, um, maybe it helped you a little bit or whatever. So, I'm going to put my email address in the description. And if you want to send me a letter, send me a letter, please. If you're going to send me an email, I'd be very happy to get one. <laughs> Tells you where my fan base is. One, one letter via email would be great for me. Thanks for listening. And um, I'll talk to you again soon. Bye.